was there. I don't have to listen to it. This week's show because it was a disaster. When you live in a beach resort, it's easy to forget whether you are playing or working. On each week's show, we settle in with a cocktail and try to figure out if there is a difference. This is Day Drinking on Del Marva. And I am Todd from GoodCleanFunLife.com. And I'm Tony Russo, no relation, and you're listening to Day Drinking on Del Marva, a podcast about life and culture on the Del Marva Peninsula. Lur, really? Lur? And history. Todd <laughs> uh, drinks because he gets to live here. I drink because I have to live here. Todd is drinking. I am not drinking, although the. Uh, <laughs> You wouldn't know there's, it from the end. Yeah, there's, there's there's no proof in my in my enunciation. So much stuff to get through today. We're going to talk about the history of the uh, of the Cape May Lewis Ferry, a brief history of the Cape May Lewis Ferry, because that's a fun story. And we've got some one cool things to talk about. But before we do that, we're going to talk. We're going to have our commercial, which is by a local business that we like, in which and this week it is the GoodCleanFunLifeProductions.com. <laughs> And we're going to talk about social media posts. No, regular posting. I'm going to have, give it over to Todd and have a sip of water and see if I can get my brain on track. <laughs> get, get, get caught up. I, uh, you know, we started this commercial. I wanted to say something about social media each week. We've talked about, you know, a variety of different topics of, you know, making sure you have a professional do it, uh, the influence and uh, opportunity with AI. And we've talked about a bunch of different things. And, and I, was, uh, I was thinking about it today because of uh, something I'm in the middle of doing and working on. And, uh, and it, that is to uh, also remember that when you are in charge of your business's social media, sometimes it's okay just to post what needs to be posted. Um, you know, like you don't have to always post it a certain time. You don't always have to rotate between a carousel of images, a reel, uh, make sure that you have captions in there. I mean, or uh, make sure that you add the right hashtags. Uh, we've been doing this for a long time. And I think one of the things that lends itself to authenticity is the body of work that you have over, over time and uh and doing sometimes just what you feel like should be done um and not listening to people like me who are telling you this is the trend and this is what you should be doing so uh yeah a couple couple weeks in is uh me giving you the 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 opportunity to kind of to go out on your own and experiment and that's one of the the best things that comes of just posting what you want to post um you know, you're not always, not everything's going to be a hit, but you never know uh, unless you try. And in some things, if you do experiment a little bit, you'll have uh, some great success. Well, and that's, uh, that's kind of the message. Ab absolutely. I, I have found that, you know, there are always, there are always suggestions about what's the most effective, but the most effective is what works for you. And you don't know that really until you try it. You know, like, mm -hmm. for example, this show with any luck will, will be out on Thursday morning. When it comes out on Thursday morning, more people listen than when it comes out on Sunday afternoon. I know that because I've posted it at pretty much every hour that exists <laughs> over the last 13 years. 
Yeah. <laughs> and this is the one that, uh, you know, Thursday mornings and, and Friday mornings, if I get them out. And that's one of the one of the problems is if I don't get it out Thursday morning, I'm like, well, now I have to wait till Friday morning. And then since I had it ready to go Thursday afternoon, I consider it done and I forget about it. And then it's Sunday and I'm like, hey, I did never see the podcast. And so then I posted Sunday afternoon and nobody listens. So yeah, if you're if you're listening, thank you very much. But the other thing that I'm starting to get back into, and it and it goes to what you're saying, is I have posted several times on Instagram in the last several weeks, which mm-hmm. is which is me being quote back unquote on Instagram. Um, Instagram mm-hmm. is the least offensive of them. Um, of the social medias. I mean, I, I put everything I write, I put on my, on my Facebook page. And I put on my Twitter page. I don't actually put everything I write on my, um, on my Instagram page, but we've been doing the be real thing. And if you're on be real and you want to be my friend, I'm by Tony Russo on be real. And I'm, I, I accept all friendships. I've, I've just given up sorting at all. Cause I don't have to look at anything I don't want to see. But one of the things that drove me off Instagram was this idea that, well, no, you have to do reels and you have to do stories or nobody sees your stuff. And I didn't want to make that effort. I still don't want to make that effort. But what I realized a couple of weeks ago is that doesn't mean you can't post something if you see something that you want to post. That just means like you can't be, I'm never going to be an influencer on Instagram, which is absolutely fine with me. And more more important, fine with the rest of the world. (laughs) You know, it's... (laughs) To, to be able to get what you need out of social media, like if your only goal, like you have to do it with a point. And if you're, if your only point is to find some sort of internet success on Instagram, on any social media, then, you, then you, there's an investment in that. That's, that's money and time and obsession. But if you just want to share what's going on in a way that makes the people that follow you say, Hey, I forgot this thing was a place. This thing is a place. That is a really effective way. Uh, for for blog posts, they always say twelve hundred words. You know, then they say no three hundred words, and then they say no seven hundred words. And what you have to remember, whenever you get any of this advice, is you're getting advice from people who have just recently gained the system, and the system yeah. hasn't corrected yet. So almost certainly, by the time you hear about it, someone else is working on gaming the system for the next time and when you try to jump around and follow all the new patterns as they come out what you'll find is you're not only aren't you being effective but you're not having any fun and yeah yeah you should have i mean if if social media is an absolute chore for you a pay todd because it's not a chore for him but if (laughs) if you're doing it yourself and it's an absolute chore for you then stop you know just you know enjoy it i was doing an interview today about i know we've gone over ai and so i won't Mm -hmm. i won't go i won't go too far into it but there is a very near future um where you can hire an ai editor you know um i was i was so if you if you if you mess around with open ai or chat gpt um one of the things that todd and i have have messed with in the past is doing um you know, making like a schedule. And we always say that it's, you know, it's good to make a schedule. And if you're debuting a blog and you wanted to have a blog post every week, you could spend one day coming up with 52 blog post titles, and then you could spend a week 
punching those titles in and saying to OpenAI, write a blog post that fits this title and then editing it. And then you'll have a, a year's worth of quote content unquote to put up there. But if it's, if it's about your business or if it's about something general and you want to, I mean, we were talking about it for the funeral homes, like all funeral homes have the same, like the same website. Like if you look yeah. at 10, 10 funeral homes, you're going to see like the same stock images, like not just, not merely the, uh, you know, because they're expected to change them and they can't be bothered. But this way, you know, a funeral director could, you know, get all his blogs out and make his website look different. And the, the reason to make your website look different is that if Google says that your site looks like all the sites, then you don't have any more information than anyone else does. You shouldn't rank above someone else if you all have the same shit. Yeah, and, right. You know, an, an open AI can be a, a solution for people who don't want to pay someone like me, because I'll tell you, it will cost you more to have me write a blog post every week <laughs> than it'll cost you to have AI write you a blog post every week. So, yes. Yeah. Well, and and, and just like you said, um, you know, it's it's the people you're reaching and that sort of thing. If you want to grow numbers, there's ways to do that. If you want to um, just be yourself and enjoy like you're saying, I, I think that's, again, I always go back to authenticity and, and that's what it's a, a about. The project I've been working on has been a fun project. It's something a little bit different, I think, for our biggest client, the Starboard, where I, we're doing a little bit longer format interviews with couples, you know, related to around uh, Valentine's and love and people who have young guys who have Girl, guys and girls who have met and are now deciding to spend the rest of their life together. You know, it's, it's not going to be the, you know, the quick bam, bam, bam of everything that's happening and all of the fun and all of the food and all of the drink. This is, you know, this is like a drill down into the people who do the work uh, to, to bring those experiences to you. And it, it actually, I, in my opinion, it ends up being one, a more educational piece. You know, it humanizes the people who are, right. uh, who, who are creating an experience for you or serving you. Uh, and also it's, it's more evergreen than, you know, just the, the flash in the pan and a trending sound and, and like that one event and everybody at that event. This is something that people, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a stamp in time, but it's still something that people can go back to and be like, oh gosh, can re remember, um, you know, that, that manager or that bartender couple. And this is, you know, this was filmed the year they got married and now they've, you know, they're still at it 20 years later, you know, that's that sort of thing. So it has a little bit more in the marketing world of potential to be evergreen and, um, you know, in, in constant, so you might not get that bump right away, but you get a constant trickle of uh, views and attention and, and that sort of thing. And it's also as long as it needs to be. And that's, and that's the other thing yes, that people yeah. are like, you know, I, I, I actually published a story today cause I didn't write it and it's not my job to tell <laughs> someone that they're wrong, you know, but you know, they're like, you have to make videos and they have to be one and a half minutes long. And Cause that's all the attention span people have. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Because people will watch Netflix for 12 hours at a clip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. So is true. it the attention span or is it the lack of creativity that you're using to put out these things that makes people, you know, people dip out after they get the gist of it if it sucks, <laughs> you know? Right. And that usually takes about 30 to 45 seconds. Oh, this is going to suck. And whether there's yeah, yeah. four hours later left in it or four seconds left in it, it's not going to matter. If it's go if it's garbage, people are going to check mm-hmm. out. Like getting your numbers up is irrelevant if no one cares anymore by mm-hmm. the time. Like if if people don't care about what you're saying, then a lot of people not caring about what you're saying isn't better than nobody caring about what you're saying. You know, it's actually right. worse. Like a lot of people don't care about what I say, um, but at least, you know, <laughs> but, but but at least they have an opinion about it. You know, if if no one cares at all, that's that's worse right. than, than than people uh, taking the time to not care, you know, to make the judgment, to watch the whole thing and say, oh, that was good or oh, that was bad. So making something that should be eight minutes long, a minute and a half long. The people who would have watched the eight minutes are get get cheated, and the people who only watched thirty seconds of anything, no matter what, don't. They're not your. They're not your audience. They're just yeah scrolling through their yeah. reels like me. I mean, and, or yeah. not scrolling through and, their and, reels like me. Yeah. And I I think that uh, I mentioned it be, before too, but like uh, building a body of work where that people trust that you know even if even if it's slow for the first thirty seconds. You, uh, you trust that this account, these people, they're going to, you know, they're going to take you in a direction, maybe not all the time, but they're going to take you in a a direction that's enjoyable and Mm -hmm. consistent with, uh, with what they've done in the past. So, yeah. Very cool. Each week we like to, uh, talk about one cool thing that happened to us because we live here or because we work here. We call it one cool thing. And, um, we can start with Todd. I also have a cool thing this month that I didn't tell him yet, but Todd can, Todd can go ahead and start. Um, I was, uh, had again, the, yeah, the, 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 the fortune to, uh, be shooting for Freeman stage, a, uh, arts immersion program that they do. And got to film and meet the Delaware twin poet uh, laureates. Uh, I know that we, we've talked back in the day about about poetry in general, um, and it's like it, it, it's not really our bag. If I'm you know <laughs> if if I'm thinking correctly, but the you know to be a state poet laureate is, is, is a pretty cool thing. Um, and when you look at these guys who are trying to communicate to young kids, we're talking, uh, freshmen and sophomores in high school, you know, who are by definition, sophomoric. Right. And, and you're like, you're going to go to an assembly and you're going to listen to two guys do poetry. And, um, you know, the, we, we sat through two of the, of, of the sessions and uh, these guys are very talented and uh, were very enjoyable to listen, but it was that first 30 seconds, you know, the, the first two poems where there was a little drift in these young people and they're like, Oh, this is cheesy, you know, roll in their eyes and a little snicker snicker. And the way that these two guys brought it back and uh, I mean, like clearly set the crowd up and, you know, after I think like the, the third 
poem performance that they had done. They, they, they looked out and, uh, you know, they, they said, how many people of you, how many people here are artists? A handful raised their hands. Uh, how many people think poetry is art? And a few less raised their hand. And they're like, how many of you think hip hop is art? And like every hand in the auditorium, of course, went up and they're like, do you think it wasn't poetry when Biggie said, you know, da, 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 da. Do you think it wasn't poetry and, and just totally related to them at, you know, their level and their contemporary music. And, uh, and it was really, it was really artfully done. The, I, I think the, the setup and, um, uh, and the hook and, and, you know, and, and after that, and, and both performances that we, that we watched, it was, uh, it, it was amazing to see the 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 switch in the audience to to really enjoy the show and 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 be a bit more immersed and see themselves in some of the stories that they're telling uh, through through the poetry. Well, what's tough about poetry, and I actually got this validated by a by a, a hotshot poet, so now I feel better about it. Um, poetry is something that you you need to digest, right? And so, mm-hmm. like a four hour poetry reading is not it's it's not going to work for me it might work for you if you are a poet but if you're if you're a if you're a a a casual consumer of poetry then you know like half an hour is really kind of you know pushing the boundaries because i want to think about because you told me this great poem now a, a a good poem one of the things that i think everybody will um, agree about, you know, a lot of people don't agree on what's a poem, blah, 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 blah. But a, a good poem is going to be a distillation of an idea. You know, a good poem right. is going to be a story in a few lines, which means that it's got to be rich and packed. And you don't have to pull it apart looking for similes and metaphors, but you do want to take a moment and let it sit in your head and think about not just how it made you feel, but what it was about, like what you got from it. You know, what did it, mm-hmm. what bells did it ring? And, you know, I, I've been to a couple of readings that are just like, really once, once you're on your third poem, you're going to start to lose me. You know, if you're on your third 15 mm, yeah. minute poem, you're going to start to lose me. I, I will read your poetry and I'll enjoy it more if I read it. But I yeah. need to like I'm paying attention. I, I need to process this. It makes it it's one of the reasons that, you know, it's interesting you brought up hip hop because I don't listen to hip hop. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I also don't listen to pop music and I don't listen to pop music because I do listen to the lyrics and they're offensive. And I don't mean they're offensive because they say things I don't like. I mean, they're like. Hey, yeah. you moron. This is the garbage that we're going to put in your ears. And I'm like, well, I, yeah. don't, I don't want that garbage in my ears. Like if you're listening to the lyrics, they better be good. Right. And if you're mm. counting on people not listening to the lyrics, then you're a pop star. And I mean, God yeah. bless you. More power to you. But, you know, a hip hop just has it has never has never appealed to me possibly for racist reasons, but not overtly racist reasons. It just it never it never hit with me. I was in the right demographic. Like I'm not that much older right. than you, right? I, it, it's it was maybe I am. Maybe I'm just too much older. Than, maybe I'm six months too old to enjoy hip hop yeah. because everyone I know that's forty five or younger loves it. You know, yeah, and <laughs> and, yeah. It, and it yeah. just it, it just it never. 
I mean, I, I hear it, but it doesn't, it doesn't capture my imagination. Um, so yes, I, well, I, I, I think that, I think that poetry is certainly worth doing and it's certainly worth attending, but it, it has to be in smaller pieces. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to, to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What was so, your one cool thing that well, you, my, you you teased? Yeah, my one cool thing was that my my latest uh, book review came out, um, right? And uh, I think I mentioned that it would be coming out last week. It is out now. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Um, it's available on my sh- socials if you follow me anywhere. Um, it's at by Tony Russo are my social media's uh, addresses. But it's uh, it's about a book called The Gospel According to J. Edgar Hoover. And it is the story of how J. Edgar Hoover built an army of white nationalist Christians and um, and ran the country with them and still kind of do. And those white nationalist Christians are FBI special agents. They're a special like special agent. So and so is almost certainly a white national Christian, white Christian national, Christian white, right nationalist. That's what it is. It's Christian white nationalist. Not only is special agent so and so likely a Christian white nationalist, a special agent so and so is white. He is a man. And for decades, he had to meet certain physical um, qualifications. And I don't mean oh, like be able to run a mile in under six minutes or they had a weight and height chart and you couldn't get promoted if you didn't meet the weight and height chart. And I know that wow. many people know this, but some people don't. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover was rumored to be homosexual. There's a lot of, mm. uh, there's a lot of argument that, that there's a lot of evidence that he was, although people are afraid to come out and say that he was for sure. And there must be a good reason. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to take the advice of people wiser than me and implicate it without saying it out loud. But like he liked them tall and skinny. Um, so <laughs> if you don't, we all Tony, <laughs> well, well, no, not this tall and not this skinny. Cause they have the height chart, the height and weight chart that the FBI published. Like, it's not like it was like a secret thing. It was published. Like these are the rules. Yeah. If you were six feet, seven inches tall, your maximum weight could be 210 pounds. What? Yes. That's like minute bowl. It really is. It's, 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 it's lollipop men. They're all, they're all lollipop men. And there were, there were some agents, there was, there was one agent in particular who was just such a good agent that they kind of ignored the fact that he was 10 pounds overweight for like years, but you had to be unhealthfully thin. Yeah. And, um, and you had to go to church. I mean, they had they had regular church services that the entire FBI had to attend. And to this day, the FBI is FBI special agents. I think two percent are women, and one percent are black guys, and ninety seven percent are white men. Yeah. And you could only get promoted if you went to all of these uh, Christian retreats. He started with the Jesuits. And then he worked his way around all the religions and it became this weird thing where the heads of different religions were fighting to get recognized by the FBI because they wanted, you know, they wanted the authority that came with having, um, you know, Jagger Hoover, 
stamp of approval. So they wanted to host yeah. a prayer breakfast and they want to, and that's where this whole thing came from. Like there would be these FBI prayer breakfasts and each year it would be at a, at a different church. And everyone, if you didn't go, you weren't getting promoted that year. Um, and if you weren't, and if you were like when they started having black agents, they didn't even tell the black agents, these things were occurring. Like there's wow. this one great story about a black agent who happened to go to the church and they are like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, it's my church. What are you all doing here? <laughs> <laughs> but he happened to go to a not black church and it didn't occur to them that they might bump into like they would keep it secret. Like it was it was they were openly keeping it secret from the black staff that there were these religious things. It wasn't for black people. It was for white Christian nationalists. And yeah. what's interesting about the Jesuits and I'll, 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 I'll stop here because you can read the, you can read the review and I'm going to write an essay about it, which is going to be longer. Um, but what was interesting about the choice of Jesuits is uh, Jesuits were the ones that were sent into the jungles of like the Amazon and into darkest Africa and into the, you know, into China and they would lose track of them for years. Sometimes they wouldn't be able to talk to the home office. So Jesuits had to be actually physically, you know, they had to be physically superior. They still are today. Um, but they also had to know the difference between the law and the good. So if they had it break even one of the church's oh, laws, big, big eye roll for me. Yeah. <laughs> so if they had to break a law of the church because their conscience told them it was the right thing to do, they could do that. They could go against like a papal mm. edict because they, that's what they, they were trained to figure out to always follow their, their, what God was telling them in their heart, mm. even if, even if it didn't break the rules. And that's, you know, that's not great for a priesthood. It's really not great for a federal agency enforcing <laughs> federal law. Yeah. You know, yeah. and we want to sit here and we want to be angry about it. And this is kind of what my story is going to be about. So here's a sneak preview. We want to sit here and we want to be angry about it. But if you think about it, like, what's the best part of every action movie? It's when the cops like, I know it's against the law, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and, right. You know, and they hunt down the drug lord and they shoot him in the head. And we're all like, yeah, because that guy would have got off. And now you shot him in the head. And we saw him kill 10 teenagers earlier in the movie. So that's fine. But right, right. Is it really? Because it's happening a lot now and we don't get to see them shooting the 10 teenagers. We just get to see them ending up dead, you know, at yeah. the hands of uh, at the hands of law enforcement doing the right thing even if it's not the legal thing. And that's right. like, that is the premise of an FBI special agent to do the right thing. Even if it's not the legal thing, like that's what they were mm. trained from, from early on. And it is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so that's my one cool thing. I, we, I took up a lot of time with that, but it was just, uh, it was, I'm, no, it's, I'm, it, it's interesting. I, I look forward to reading the review. I mean, obviously uh, it was a well put together, uh book right i mean that's uh oh yes it's called the gospel of j edgar hoover the gospel according to j edgar hoover it's splendid again yeah. links in the show notes and he goes into detail about how he went from dealing with one priest in washington dc to putting the evangelical right in a position to take over the country um yeah and then, of Oof. course, the book that I'm reading now picks up on the evangelical right taking over the country. So it's a 
they they the they dovetail lovelyly with one another. But I'll have some more announcements about my books and and my reading program in the uh, in in next week. Hopefully, if I if I get everything that I'm supposed to get done done next week, I'll have some more for you. But this week, I really want to briefly talk to you about just one story. I had a bunch of them picked up because I wanted to talk about the um the Lewis Ferry. Um, the Lewis Ferry, they, the first time they started talking about putting a ferry in between uh, Cape May, New Jersey, and Lewis, Delaware, was in 1911. And for context, the uh, Cape May Lewis Ferry opened in 1961. <laughs> so oh. there was a lot <laughs> yeah, of debate. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm picking up the debate in the 1930s because one of the mayors um, was uh, was arguing, and this is in the 30s, that Cape May would be better off if it became a tourist destination than if it became a fishing village. So there were three large, and there still are in the in the region, you know, the canneries kind of thing. There were three large fish processing plants, but that was like the main source of income for years and years and years. Yeah, and yeah. Then they, you know, then the the fish, some of the fisheries closed, and then they wanted to open them back up. So in late in the late 1930s, they wanted to open up one, and these are fish. They're called Manhattan fish, um, and Manhattan are as uh, are are bunkers. I had never heard of Manhattan. If you hadn't heard of Manhattan, that's fine. Um, that's M E N H A D E N. But they're they're bunker fish, which more people. If you haven't heard of bunker fish, you definitely haven't heard of Menhaden fish. But right. you know, they're they're just a they're just a fish that's easy to catch. They're used for fish oil, they're used for 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 lots of stuff. You know, people eat them, but they're they're an oily fish and they're mostly used to processed. Um, but this is, I think, a seminal part of the story. This this occurs on um June 20th, it's in the June 28th, 1939 edition of the uh, Wilmington, Delaware Journal. And I'm going to read the beginning of the story and we'll take it from there. Um, Possibly was seen here today that long dead William Penn may be the arbiter in a decision whether a tract of land will be used for a cemetery to honor the unknown sailor dead or a fish factory. Clear title to the land for an unknown sailor cemetery is sought by the Delaware Society for the Preservation of Antiquities. In that effort, William Penn's ancient grant of public lands at this old seaport may be quite an issue, according to Attorney General James R. Morford in a letter to Mrs. Henry B. Thompson, Society President. So I'm going to I'm going to direct the to camera do this. Um if you've never been to the Cape May Lewis Ferry, then you won't know this. And if you have been, you might not know this. That's where the sailor's graveyard is. Have you seen it there? Do you know what I'm talking about? I, ha- I haven't seen it. I, I have been to the to the ferry terminal. but Right at the edge of the ferry ter- terminal, where the terminal ends and the water begins, there's a marker from the Historic Society designating this as the unfound, as, as lost at sea, you know, graveyard. So they, they maintain... Um, just a small patch of greenery to honor the mm-hmm. people who, you know, fell off the boat and never came back. Um, and this, the way that it works out is they side with the, um, with the society 
so that they can't build that fish factory right there. Like the society gets that land. Um, right, and with, right. and I feel like with that land, although I couldn't do all the research, I did a ton, but I feel like that was the, that was the land that made it possible. Like if there was a fish factory there as well, um, then there wouldn't have been able to be uh, a Cape May Lewis ferry terminal there. Like it may yeah. have been an issue because the, those, those condos off to the right, they might be, aren't they called like the cannery or is that oh, where dogfish is? That's um, where dogfish is. That's in milk or, but I mean, but there are plenty of canneries around, right? I mean, yeah. And I, I think that's the, I think that's the case. I think that things were pushed away from that little outcropping because they couldn't develop it because they had the sailor thing. And now this is, you yeah. know, this is in the 1930s. Sailors are still dying in mass at, at, um, at sea. You know, oh, yeah. it's, still, it's still easy to get lost at sea. So it was an interesting, it's an interesting flag planting that allowed the, uh, 30 years later, uh, 28 years later allowed the, um, ferry to open. So I thought, I thought that was a really interesting piece of, um, well, of, and, of local and, and history. It, yeah, and I love that you said, uh, you know, the, the mayor was like, I think we might do better with tourism. And, uh, you know, clearly, you know, uh, almost 100 years later, <laughs> obviously, that was that was correct. And it always whenever whenever there's perspective like that, I always think about, um, you know, what what's happening today that in 90 years they're going to be like, oh, duh, you know? Right. Why and they- the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is like, uh, in, in talking about fishermen too, is like the, the windmills off, off the coast. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, in my mind, at least it's, it's a no brainer. And depending on what happens or how long it takes, if it goes from 1911 to, you know, the thirties, uh, you know, to happen if there's that same gap in that fight and, and that sort of thing. But it's just like, someday we're going to look back and be like, why the fuck did they stick around with, for, yeah, you know, no, I, well, I mean, for, for time I, with that. Windmills was one of the first stories I covered as a reporter in at the, at the Bayside Gazette. I, I thought that they would be up like later that mm. year, you mm. know, and, um, uh, don't get me started on the windmills. It's not a. It, it takes me All to right. a dark place. Plus, we're out of time. Plus, so we're out I, of time. So I got nothing else. How about you? I got no more sailors. All right, cool. Well, remember, uh, at the beach, it's happy hour whenever you say it is. Day drinking on Delmarva with Todd DeHart and Tony Russo is produced weekly, mostly by dumb luck. You can join them Wednesday afternoons or find them online at daydrinkingondelmarva.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll check back in with you next week.